Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to introduce to you Christopher Carfee, who is the Senior Director of Content Marketing at GoDaddy. Now, GoDaddy, as many of you may already know, is one of the sort of main places where you can buy and sell your URLs, but it's so much more. It's about branding, content, building tools that resonate all of this. So I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about it and the extensive things that GoDaddy's doing from Christopher. So welcome, Christopher. Hi, Heidi. Thank you very much for the invitation. Glad to be here. Well, it's it's such a treat to have you on here. We met several years ago at a kind of a crazy event that was a lot of creative people in the creativity industry or creative industries and design industry. And there was something that just struck me about you and, you and your energy and sort of your passion for for really harnessing the power of the internet and the tools that it can create. So I'm really excited to have you here to share a little bit about what you've learned and you've got a great story and background. So can you sort of tell our listeners a little bit about your journey that brought you to GoDaddy and sort of what that all means? Yeah, happy to do so. Uh, so kind of, you know, ended up here accidentally, started out as a very hardcore technologist, uh, you know, undergrad in computer science, spent a bunch of years way back in the in the early 90s, actually working on uh, expert systems and a lot of the early uh, AI stuff that was happening and came out to the Bay Area in the late 90s as part of the as part of the uh, the first boom, and really started getting even more interested in the in the human side of things, and started drifting further over onto the the kind of marketing and sales side. So, had my own company for a number of years. Was with a number of startups. Some did uh, very well. Some are still big smoking craters up and down Highway 101. And uh, about four and a half, almost five years ago now, had. Uh, a colleague, a business colleague who had started at GoDaddy and said, yeah, this place is really interesting. And although the company's been around for a very long time, the way it has evolved and continues to evolve looks really like uh, something that should be checked out. And so I started here as a, a contractor back in early 2014 and did that for about uh, six months or so, and then had the opportunity to come on full-time and really look at how we can provide the, the content and information that helps entrepreneurs really at all steps of their, their journey, whether they are trying to come up with an idea or create it or build it or manage and run it, trying to make sure that we do have that, that full suite of capabilities and the people that can connect them to the, the different types of solutions that are going to be useful wherever they are in that journey. That's so critical. And I think when back when we met, you were just about, I think maybe you, you were just about to start at GoDaddy. You maybe have been doing some consulting at that time. But we talked a lot about sort of the power that the internet has given to entrepreneurs to be able to really reach a wider audience and and, you know, the complexities there. I mean, even whether you're a subject matter expert or whether you've got a, the next 
best thing in a cool product, it's so critical to have a web presence. And I think what you guys are doing there has really grown in terms of the value and sort of fulfilling a very important need for entrepreneurs. How did you evolve from sort of the entrepreneur, I think you were working specifically with the entrepreneur space when you first came in, from that to content marketing? So the way it it came out was, again, sort sort of accidental. I had started blogging for myself back in 2004 and really was entranced by the the types of connections and relationships that you could make with people by sharing well thought out discussions and getting involved in comments and following what other people were thinking and sharing. And as part of that, really, that drew me into content and community. And if you look at the way entrepreneurs and individuals and small businesses evolve their their businesses. They really are on this journey. It's figuring out, okay, what should I do? What is the thing that either strikes me from a, a passion standpoint, or do I see a real need in the marketplace for that? And then how do I get that thing in front of other people? How do I validate it's the right idea? And over time, really figuring out what is the set of things that are going to resonate with people, that people are searching for, that are helpful folks, those are the, the types of things that drew me to the, the content side because it's it's really easy to do the you know kind of coupon sale sort of thing. And that is a commodity. It's when you're actually connecting individuals up with the, the guidance and the, the tools that they need and the and the help. Those are the types of things that are going to help them be successful and those types of content can come from industry experts. They can come from folks who have been out there and really built their career on sharing that information. And at the same time, it can come from others in the, the community as well and finding that that set of peers who have gone down that similar path and connecting up with them and learning from them and, and sharing information with each other. All of that sort of gets bundled into this area of content, but it's really it's really relationships. It's really connections. And that's the, that's the exciting part of it uh, from my standpoint. I love that. And that's that human piece that we keep on coming back to and the importance of that, the connection with people, the connection and the relevance where you're adding value to people's lives. You're really recognizing where to find them when they need you the most or need your product or service the most. Have you found that when working with people that are coming into this space, maybe traditional brick and mortars from the from the past or that you know, that the learning curve is is still an issue? Or do you find that now people really just, this is expected of them, and so they don't even blink? Well, I think that the learning curve is an issue. I think the way we are learning is changing significantly. It used to be you'd have to go to uh, Barnes & Noble and see if you can find the book on the thing. And then come home and pour over it, um, you know, in your spare hours late at night after after the kids are in bed or on the weekends to try and figure out how to do things. Now it's as easy to as going to Google or going to YouTube and finding somebody who has shared their expertise and the things that they have done. And so I think the type of things that you need to learn have widened in a, a significant way because there are a lot of new aspects to 
being successful and connecting up with, with folks online. At the same time, I think the access to the information has democratized significantly. It's much easier to find the type of information that's going to help you if you have a particular job to be done going out and searching for that thing and then finding, oh, here is the thing that is going to help me with this next issue that I'm trying to figure out today. And instead of going out and taking sort of the the old school waterfall approach of trying to read through everything end to end, it's more on demand and you're able to find out the the types of content and the types of information that you need in the moment that help you get over whatever sticking point that you might have and get you onto the next thing. And hopefully folks will want to contribute back and share some of their experiences as well. And that really helps everybody. Well, absolutely. It's funny, as you're talking, it's making me remember yesterday, for example, I was contacted by my nephew who just graduated from college. He's a, you know, he's a very talented performer, artist. He's, you know, I think he did a, a joint degree in business, but it was his real passion is singing and acting. And he wanted to go do something and go work on a cruise ship for a year. And I did that in my early 20s. I worked on a cruise ship. He said, well, how do you get into it? And I realized that back then, you know, you went to the library and you looked up, you know, applications for cruise lines and you made a phone call and you asked them to send you the form and you filled in the form and then you made made photocopies of it and you sent it to other lines. And it was this very arduous process. So I wrote him back and I said, well, let me see what I can do. But, you know, I did a quick search online and I found a couple links for him. But I also went on to LinkedIn to see if there was anybody from my former network that still worked for Celebrity Cruise Lines. And I didn't find someone that I knew, but I found someone that, that someone I know knows that is the happens to be the recruiter for Celebrity Cruises. And so I reached out to her with a inside mail and, uh, and just said, you know, I'm a former employee you know, worked there in the 90s before all of this was online. And but, uh, you know, my nephew is interested in a job. Can you direct me to where he would look? And she responded right away and sent me a link. And I was realizing that, you know, the power of that network, first of all, the people that I was working with back then, none of them are connected there, because we didn't have LinkedIn when we were leaving or Facebook, or whatever, when we were leaving our jobs to stay connected. But because of a friend of a friend, which is sort of that secondary connection, I was still able to get to the source of the information that I needed. And that's a pretty powerful tool. Yeah, yeah. Being able to reach out and have literally direct access to pretty much anyone, whether you're able to, you know, actually make the, the connection is another thing. But any any person, any persona, it used to be in the, the sort of one-to-many time of, of media, you know, there were people who were on the screens or on the radio, but you couldn't actually get to them. Now everyone has at least some public surface to them. And as, as part of that, you can connect up with them. You know, maybe it's on maybe it's on Twitter, maybe it's on LinkedIn, maybe it's on one of the, the other networks. And that accessibility, I think, is really really significant and over time can actually turn from this sort of distance sort of connection to something that is uh, is a lot more a lot more personal and I think that also comes into play if somebody is trying to start something as well the the first step of developing a business for a lot of folks is uh, you know it used to be okay you know we we're going to make a product and then we we're going to go out and try and sell this thing now 
as the business is evolving, as the concepts are evolving, or even just as one's experience and expertise is evolving, sharing those types of things can start to build a community. Uh, some people call it an audience. I don't like that because mm-hmm. it's more of a you know rock star up on stage sort of thing, as opposed to folks who are all trying to work on similar problems together. And as you build that community or become part of a community, then you can start to figure out what are the things that are needed, what are the unserved or underserved products that could be created. And that gives a a great entree into, hey, maybe there's this thing that I can do and I can actually start something that solves that problem for all of these other people. I understand what the market is. And that is more and more the way folks actually are starting to get their businesses going. Absolutely. And I I mean, I wonder sort of in that space, have you seen a rise in people utilizing the interactive tools when they're building the sites to, by by interactive, I mean, creating forums or creating spaces where they can have a membership site or have the opportunity to have more engagement that is two-way rather than just monodirectional, which in the original websites were just basically you put your PDF up there, or at least that's what a lot of people did. And it was basically, you know, an online brochure. But now we have so much more opportunity to create this dynamic environment and also get feedback to improve or to engage with our our, our users or our communities. How much is that being used? Or do you think we're still not quite there yet? Oh, I think it is being used and I think it is fragmenting in lots of different and really interesting ways. So back in the day, you had just your website and that was the place that hopefully people would find and that you, as you said, put up your your brochure where you'd put up your PDF and someone would download it and then maybe they'd call you on the phone. Now, Things are much wider and in some ways more more complex because it is a more heterogeneous environment. You've got your website, you've got your different social network presences, you have all of the different review sites, and then you've got other third-party sites like, you know, let's call it Reddit and uh, the like as well, where people can interact. And so finding a way to actually listen and sense and respond and engage in as many of those places as possible is absolutely critical if somebody is starting out. Because if you're not listening, you may have conversations going on about you or your venture or your brand in places that you're not even aware of. And so being tapped in and connected and having those those tethers to the different places where those conversations are taking place is important. It's also a great way to understand what folks care about to, you know, again, to kind of do a a then and now comparison. It used to be you would have to go out and commission market research and do surveys and do all of these things that were slow and expensive and took a long time. Now, on any of those platforms, you can just listen. You can look, you can see what people are saying in you know comment threads and on social and in forums and on some of the other types of networking sites and you can get a much richer and much faster understanding of the different types of things that that matter to a potential market and from that you can then respond more quickly and more authentically as well because if someone from an organization is actually going out and engaging then that 
also means that they are listening. And the other people who may have seen that interaction, who might not have been the, the person who was the original commenter, but the other folks who are watching that, there are you know probably tens, hundreds, thousands of people who are seeing that back and forth who can understand what the organization is like based on the tenor of those those interactions. I love it. I mean, do you have any sort of certain examples that have stood out to you of of ones that have done it really well? Oh, there are, um, you know, it goes from huge organizations down to small ones. I have seen some of our customers, this customer woman and her husband started a soap company and uh, they're out in kind of in the, the gold country in California and started it really kind of on a whim, started out with a website, started getting more engaged in social, started doing things like publishing, okay, here is my checklist of doom that I go through every day, every week, every month to make sure that we're doing everything for the business. And that's all of the mechanical stuff, like you know, actually producing the soap and such, but it's also, okay, I am going to block out X hours a week to interact on Facebook, or I'm going to interact on Twitter with people who have connected up with our brand. And through that, that process went very, very quickly from novice to very, very sophisticated understanding of all of the different piece parts that, that it took to really get this business up and going and running. And then she took that and actually turned it into a book that has nothing to do with the the soap business, but it's here is how to go through and actually understand what it's going to take to be your most successful self. And uh, has gone out now, has the book out there for sale, doing book tours and actually spinning out into these complementary areas. And it really does come down to that engagement and that person-to-person connection. If you try and do the massive broadcast things, it's not going to come off as um, real or connected or understanding. And it really is that taking the time of this stuff that is, and I'm making the little finger quotes here, you know, non-scalable set of things that you need to do to go out and actually have conversations. That's where the really, really interesting things happen. So it still really just comes down to being human and that authenticity piece being of the highest value. Absolutely. It is It is the way that you find your tribe, for lack of a better word. It mm-hmm. is if you are out there being you and if you are out there connecting as yourself and who your true authentic self is, that's who you should be bringing to work. But if you're also presenting who you are to the outside world, you're going to find other folks who also connect with that and who that resonates with and in many cases who are inspired by that as well. And so it is bringing that humanity back into business when and wherever we can that makes it much more effective from a business standpoint, but at the same time, just a lot more real and a lot more fun. It's the, you know, it's, it's so much easier and so much more rewarding just to be able to be yourself. And so being able to do that is the type of thing that helps you find other folks who are really part of that that 
same ethos, that same group, that same tribe, that same community. I love it. That really resonates for me. It's something that I've I hate to say the word preached, but even back in the day when I was teaching social technologies and social strategy, it always came back to the value of that authentic interaction, but it's not as easy as it sounds. We're so trained to, you know, this is your brand, or this is the image, or this is what is expected. So we get this sort of backlash. I think this is where the people that only show the good stuff on social media, for example. And it sort of looks like they have this glorious, amazing life, amazing, everything is perfect, and it's never bad. And, and it's sort of what it becomes too much sometimes, because you realize, well, this can't possibly be real, either that or it's sort of just annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, oh, come on, show a bad hair day, please. Um, (laughs) It's just sort of, how do you personally find that balance? And and what are the things that you use in order to sort of express your most authentic self, still maintaining professionalism, which is obviously a really important thing to do. But are there tools that you use or, or ways that you try to accomplish that as a, you know, as a senior person in an organization, you have to maintain that professionalism. But, you know, everybody wants to meet the real Christopher too. Yeah, I think it is in storytelling and experience sharing and you hit the you know hit the nail right on the head it can't be crafted it can't be overproduced it can't be so glossy that it's obviously not real but going out and you know for example one of the things it's it's interesting one of the things that i get the most feedback on that i share is I I try every day, usually get up super early and every day that I can, I try and go for a a two or three mile walk before I need to to head in and and start the work part of the day. And it gives me a a chance to drink my coffee, think, kind of process whatever my brain had been spinning on while I was sleeping. And on those morning walks, I often just run into really weird stuff. So if you're walking around your neighborhood at five or six in the morning, sometimes you just see weird things that you wouldn't expect. So for example, I was um, I was walking around residential neighborhood and there was a tree stump and the tree stump was small, maybe four or six inches in diameter, maybe four or six inches off of the off of the ground. And then had two long branches coming out from either side. And I had walked past it a hundred times before. And one day I am walking past this thing. It's six in the morning. And overnight, somebody had put a paper printed cardboard cutout of the Jack Nicholson character from The Shining on the tree trunk and on the end of one of the branches had put a little plastic sword and on the other side had put up a little thought balloon that said, here's Johnny. And it was just (laughs) so weird. It was amazing. And so, you know, took a picture of it, put it up on uh, Instagram with a little, you know, hashtag of, um, you know, morning walk and just got this great response on that. And now when I run into people who I haven't seen for a while, I will get responses from them and I'll run into them in the hallway and they're like, oh, 
I love your morning walk series. I'm like, I didn't even really like know I had a morning walk series. It was just like this thing that I was doing and it was this thing that I was doing anyway. And I found stuff that I thought was kind of cool and weird and interesting and shared it. And it sort of became this thing that it wasn't even planned. It was a totally accidental thing. And so that's one way. It's just going out and sharing stuff that you find interesting or compelling or thought-provoking or just kind of wacky. That is an okay thing to do because you're going to find other interesting, compelling, thought-provoking and or wacky people when you do that. The other thing that I think makes it easy or easier at least to do is you don't always need to be talking. You don't always need to be promoting. You don't always need to be broadcasting. It is okay to listen. And so I found a number of years ago on Twitter that I was less following people. And the more interesting thing I was starting to see was when I would think about and follow topics or look for people who are talking about a particular topic and then start engaging in conversations with them, even if I didn't know them, because there was some common ground, there was some shared space there that made the conversation really interesting. It was funny, actually, earlier this week, one of our VPs here at GoDaddy by the name of Paul Nix was presenting at a conference called NamesCon, and he presented all of this data of things that we had learned over the last year or so from people who are buying and selling domain names. That's a, you know, mm-hmm. a fraction of all the different things that we do, but that's like his thing. And he shared this. And I tripped across a, a guy yesterday on Twitter who had seen that presentation. He's like, yep, I'm one of those people who does that. You know, I hadn't really thought about it. I had gotten all these you know random domains at like two in the morning when I was like, oh, this is going to be a good idea. And I never did anything with it. And after seeing that presentation, he's like, oh yeah, I actually, maybe I can sell these things. And there are certain traits on, you know, the length of the domain name and how many people are using similar types of things that are indicative of whether that's a a good thing to invest in. And it was really interesting. He and I ended up getting in this, this back and forth of, yeah, just, you know, the random collections of things that we've collected when we had an idea at two in the morning and decided to register it. And yeah, we might, or we might not do anything with it, but it was this really authentic conversation that was just driven by this shared experience that we had had, even though we didn't know each other. I love that. And that reminds me of a a habit or a routine that I used to have, which I really should get back into, which was sort of in the morning when I'd come into the office doing a search topic-based and just sort of retweeting and sharing some of that stuff rather than just posting new. And I used to do it regularly every single morning, and it was more just who's talking about what's going on and and you know there some of those voices were big voices and some of them were very small but they all had something to say that resonated with me and and thank you for that reminder because i think it's really important to recognize that conversations are happening out there about everything you know there's like not one topic that if you do a search and you're not going to get any results that's right and and, and so whether it's on Twitter or whether it's just on a Google search, you can come across people that are talking about what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, and finding a way to create 
sort of more of a community around that conversation is so important. Absolutely. And the, you know, the thing, I forgot who originally said this, and I wish I'd remembered so I could credit it appropriately, but it's one of those things that, you know, if you're always the smartest person in the room, that means you're in the wrong rooms. You know, you really should be getting out there and learning new things. And it is directly analogous to what you're just talking about. There are these really interesting people and really interesting topics and really interesting conversations. And by going out and spending more time listening than talking, you're going to really find the good stuff. And a lot of the time, being able to reshare some of the best stuff that you have found actually is really helpful, not to just the people who find it because you've shared it, but it also does reflect back on you as somebody who is investing time in going out and really trying to understand what's going on and trying to understand the, the breadth of, of information and opportunities that are out there. So true. So true. So I want to take a little bit of a shift here more towards sort of the personal side. As we talked about a little bit in the green room, this season, we're really trying to focus in on digital well-being and the importance and, and ethics. But in the ethics, we're really focusing in on sort of design and and really understanding sort of, you know, you you just because you can doesn't mean you should when you're thinking about design or creation or, you know, really understanding where you're adding value and not having any regrets when you are creating uh, creating new things. But I wonder, you know, both with your work, but also personally, what do you do to make sure that in this incredible digital world, you make sure you take care of you and the, the people that you love and the people that matter to you? Yeah, I mean, as far as kind of the the digital wellness, it is trying to be mindful of the amount of digitally mediated experiences that are out there. It's you know, it's making time for family and friends. It is when you are out to dinner wherever possible, you know, phones phones out and away, and you're actually engaging with uh, with people trying to, on a regular basis, get out to places where there is little or no technology. So last year over 4th of July was uh, with a group of folks and we went out to the middle of the Black Rock Desert and had about a thousand square miles of desert, more or less to ourselves, which was pretty darn cool. Being able to, to drive out, out there and you know, you could literally get the car going and just kind of aim it in a direction. And, you know, one of the one of the places where we were going, we were supposed to meet up with some friends. It's like, where are you? You know, do you have like GPS coordinates? Or like, oh, go to this certain waypoint, make a left, kind of line yourself up and drive until you see the green truck. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's how we used to get around. Yep. And so... That is a, you know, it's a really immediate kind of of experience. And you also need to be completely present when you are doing that because you need to be vigilant. You need to be looking for obstacles and finding ways to be in situations where you need to be present and allowing yourself to do so as opposed to allowing yourself to be distracted, I think is a is a big big part of that kind of digital well-being and and wellness and then the other is on the design side which you mentioned 
I think it is taking a really thoughtful look at design time and product development time into making sure that the things that are being used as input to your design decisions is reflective of your customer base or audience base or community base. So if you're only asking for feedback from or only getting design input from people who are in sort of archetype X, you're going to miss all of the diversity that is out there that is going to teach you so much. And whether it is gender diversity or racial diversity or abilities or sexual orientation or any of the different things that make us all really, really, really complex intersectional humans, all of those things need to be part of the thought process when you're actually building things and only looking through your existing network or your existing set of experiences that are based on the things that you have done, you're going to miss a majority of the actual world that you're trying to connect with. One of the things that I'm reflecting on as you say that is just the importance of making time to sort of schedule time for presence so that we don't get caught up in the busy that we're also sort of obsessed with, especially in where where we're based in the Valley and uh, in the Bay Area. It's just, you know, to sort of get rid of this need to be busy all the time and take time to listen, to be present, to, you know, go out in nature and, and notice that somebody's done something silly with a tree stump and, and, and to enjoy it and share it. And whether that is through sharing it online or just having a conversation about it or, or bringing someone to go look at it. I think that there's there's so much to be said for that and that the value that that creates for each individual in creating a connection and and just appreciation for being heard and being part of something. So- yeah, your, your scheduling time point is spot on and being able to schedule time, being able to make it part of your your schedule, making part of almost your routine, for lack of a better word. You know, we, mm-hmm. we oftentimes think routine is a bad word. In some cases, it's okay. It's making it easy to do that. It's making it part of your flow, making it part of the things you just do makes it so much easier to actually do it because it's not a thing that I am trying to shoehorn in. It is a change in the way I am perceiving and interacting with the world that incorporates this thing at its at its core. And so you know, for me, I think one of those biggest changes was, again, whenever possible, trying to get that morning walk in, because that was the place for, for me where it was able to, where I was able to really reflect and think, and I'm not pulled into email. I'm not worried about the, the 15 things. And by doing it at a early time of day when a lot of folks aren't trying to interrupt you, uh, it makes it a lot easier. I have seen also that for me, if I really need to focus and really need to think about things, turning all of the notifications, all of the flashy things, all of the distractions off is absolutely critical to the point where, you know, turning Wi-Fi off on the computer 
while trying to do something, closing all the windows, having a distraction-free field of view is much easier to get into that flow state where you can actually get interesting things done and where the new ideas can come out as opposed to always being in a distracted and reactive mode to the inputs that are coming in. So true. And I think, I guess that for me, that's one of the reasons that I love talk about content, but I love doing podcasts is because I turn everything else off and I can just have a one-on-one conversation with fascinating people that I've crossed paths with over the years and really dig deep and, and really have an opportunity to listen and to share. And, and then, well, you know, once we've created this, to be able to share it with others. And, and that, to me, feels like such a gift of technology and presence all in the same thing. And so I really appreciate your taking the time to share a little bit of your presence and your incredible wisdom with the audience today. I love doing the podcast exactly for that reason. And uh, I'm so thankful that you joined us today. Oh, thank you very much for the the invitation. This is uh, this is great. Is there any last things? I want to make sure that people can find you if they want to work with you or they want to learn more about GoDaddy. Can you just give us a little, give our digital selfers a little cue as to how they find you and what's out there? Absolutely. So for me personally, I am C. Carfi, C-C-A-R-F like Frank I on pretty much all of the things. So whether it is Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, et cetera, feel free to reach out on any of those. And as far as the the things that we're doing here at GoDaddy, there are a couple of different places you can check out. You can always come to our homepage at GoDaddy.com. We have a lot of things that we are doing on our blog, which is at uh, godaddy.com slash garage in the U.S. and godaddy.com slash blog in all of the other countries we are. And we are starting to do a lot more things on our YouTube channel as well. And so as always, feel free to reach out and I try to be super responsive on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. And so uh, feel free to reach out with any questions and happy to connect up. Thank you so much. And uh, please send my hellos to your lovely wife. I also quite enjoyed talking with her. Hopefully we can get her on the show someday. Anyway, I just want to say thank you, Christopher, and thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. We've got an exciting year of guests already lined up, and I think it'll be loads of fun. We'll learn lots about all kinds of different industries. So thank you all for joining us today, and we look forward to next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes. 